everybody, and welcome back once again to Alpha Mom Radio. This is episode number 11, and today I have on the show a colleague and good friend of mine once again, Danielle Litoff, Doctor of Physical Therapy here in Reno, Nevada. She is back on with me again to talk about athletes. Today we are talking about your, our young athletes and preventing and healing injuries, especially with athletes that are serious athletes in, in competitive sports. And so I wanted to give Dr. Danielle Litoff's bio one more time in case you missed the previous podcasts. But once again, she was on my show two times in about episode five and six, I want to say. So go back and check that out about feeding your young athlete and all sorts of other stuff about your young athletes. So Danielle is a doctor of physical therapy and a health coach. She is the co-owner of Battleborn Health in Reno, Nevada. Dr. Litoff has been practicing physical therapy for 20 years, primarily in orthopedics. Shortly after the birth of her two amazing daughters, she began to have her own health problems. She dove into researching functional medicine and functional nutrition. She completed the Kalish Functional Medicine Mentorship Program in 2014 and then continued her education with the Institute of Transformational Nutrition to obtain her certification in 2016. Dr. Litoff's philosophy of physical therapy has always been to find and go to the root cause of the problem and try to fix the dysfunction. She continues to work on her own issues as well as working with strong and powerful and active women to get to the root cause of their problems, treating them with physical therapy as well as nutrition and functional medicine. Dr. Litoff can be contacted at battlebornhealth.com. And also Danielle at BattlebornHealth.com here in Reno, Nevada. She has her own physical therapy practice and she does her health consulting on the side. And she is a fabulous resource. So without further ado, let's get to the podcast with Danielle. And remember, we will have all the details, stuff that we just could not get to on the podcast today, as well as lists and details and resources on my toolkit page which is katanyataylor.com forward slash toolkit and you will be able to sign up and download all sorts of great freebies over there so enjoy the show welcome back to the show danielle litoff thank you for being here once again well thanks for having me i love doing this stuff with you i know this is so exciting so this is podcast number 11 thanks everybody for joining us and being back on Alpha Mom Radio. And Danielle, um, I already gave, went over her bio, but she is a physical therapist as well as a nutritionist. So uh, what we're going to talk about today is very fitting and it's kind of both of our passions. So Danielle, we are going to start talking about kids and athletics and preventing injuries in, in kids, especially um, highly active kids. So why don't we get started? You tell us again, people probably know this from our last podcast and all that, but what ages are your children? I have two daughters. One is 13 and a half and then the other one is 11 and a half. And my girls are crazy busy. We just started soccer season. So my younger daughter is on a uh, travel team as well as her school team, as well as her normal competitive team. <laughs> And then my older daughter is on a tourney team, a competitive team, a school team, a league team, and a NorCal team. You're crazy. I mean, really. Yeah. yeah. That is nuts. So, okay, so as you, I go have, you have experience not only as a physical therapist and in nutrition, but a, your personal life experience with your 
crazy athletic children, don't you? Yes. And I was the coach. I'm not the coach any longer, but I did coach for seven, eight years, something like that. And just recently stepped down as the coach. So I've got a lot of ideas on soccer and kids and sports. Totally. Um, 20 years of working as a, as a physical therapist, I've worked with a lot of kids in sports, a lot of athletes. Um, and, and also an athlete myself. I was in, I was in high school sports. I was in college sports. I was in sports up, up until yesterday. So, um, totally. <laughs> so I've got a lot of ideas on this stuff and, and seeing where, where it goes. Um, I think a lot of times it, there's the, there's the perfect world and then there's the world you live in. So that's a hard place to be sometimes. Totally. Totally. All right, let's start, let's begin sort of with the, uh, maybe a little simpler and we'll move up in kind of age okay. group as well as complexity. But let's start with um, injuries that you have seen and dealt with, et cetera. Maybe when the kids are a little younger and they're not as serious in the sports yet, what are some of the maybe more minor or sort of first, first injuries that you start seeing in, in the younger kids, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old? You know, honestly, six, seven, eight years old, I don't see a lot. Most of those kids, they are, they're doing good. And they, you know, they might roll an ankle or they might fall down. Those kids usually don't end up in physical therapy Mm -hmm. unless there's like a huge, a huge issue. There's a fracture. There's, um, you know, those are the types of things we see with that. But usually those kids, that's usually a car accident. That's not athletics. Right. Um, what you start to see are these growth plate injuries and these overuse injuries. And that is a problem because, uh, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of different things that happen. So when you're looking at growth of children, that really correlates with injury and injury prevention, mm-hmm. right? So these kids eight to 10, you got this rapid foot growth, right? Mm-hmm. And kids 11 to 12, um, they ha- that's when they grow the fastest. That's when their bones are getting the longest. So you see a lot of those um, growing pains type of things. And then 13 to 18, especially with females, you're seeing this pelvic and spine growth. So their pelvis is widening, their spine is getting longer, and their, their um, growth plates are starting to close. 17 to 25 is where it truly starts to close. So the injuries you're seeing really depends on what's going on at that point. And, you know, from eight to 10, you, you know, they grow out of their shoes overnight, but then they trip over their feet all the time. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so you see a lot of um, discoordination as well. Right. And, and those, those lend to different injuries. So what are some of the injuries that you see in those beginning times? And then, and then what are the sports that are more related with particular injuries? So the, you know, the big injuries I see when we're going to talk true injury versus overuse problems, you know, I'm, I'm looking at kids in, in soccer for the most part, but you know, sprained ankles, um, sore muscles. Uh, if you're playing basketball, you might have a jam finger. You might have a short a shoulder issue. Uh, baseball, you see a lot of shoulders, especially in the pitchers, mm-hmm. um, pitchers and, and then elbows. Okay. And so those, those, what I see, um, but you know, that, kind of follows from the beginning all the way through because that's the way the sport is Mm -hmm. that's what you see that's what you're doing when you're You're looking at these you're throwing the ball Mm -hmm. and then in the other you're running you're cutting right 
you're running, you're cutting, those types of things. So um, the things to look for, um, you know, if we're looking at a growth plate injury, you know, you might have a, I see a lot of sievers right now, you know, kids 8 to 12, girls 8 to 12, boys 9 to 13, you'll see sievers disease. And that's a growth plate injury. It's when there's too much force at the growth plate, which the growth where, plate is so where is soft. That? Where is sievers occurring? You're going to see that the post, you're going to see that in the heel. Right. They're going to have Achilles tendon pain in their heel. Um, you might see swelling, jumping, landing, running. Mm-hmm. That is really common. I'm seeing that a lot these yep. days yep. in my soccer players. Right. Um, boys and girls, pretty evenly, I see with that. Another growth plate injury is an Oshkosh slaughter. So you're going to see that the knee, mm-hmm. right? They're going to have that patellar tendon pain. So underneath, not underneath the kneecap, but at the, the bone where the, that sits right below the kneecap is where you'll see that. And you'll start to see a bump and mm-hmm. swelling there. Right. Squatting. So a lot of catchers, yep. right? If you're thinking of softball, baseball, a lot of catchers will have that type of problem. Is it from um, actually landing on the knee or being on the knee, or is it totally different? I think some of that is, but I think it's more that they spend so much time squatted. Okay. Yeah. And so you get this imbalance and you get this, it's an overuse, right? Mm-hmm. So you have this growth plate where you've got hard bone on either side, and then you've got this soft center. If you're really overusing that with muscle imbalances, so let's say your calves are, sorry, that your quads are stronger than your hamstrings. Mm-hmm. You're going to create a shear force there and that that shear force, you know, if you're thinking about kind of like a jelly donut, you've got the harder sides and then you've got a, or like a, um, and you got a softer inside, mm-hmm. the softer insides keep moving mm-hmm. and they get swollen. Mm-hmm. And so that's these, these growth plate injuries that you see quite a bit. And that's mostly from, um, mostly from overuse and, in, and muscle imbalances. So talk about Seavers, because you remember Ashton had Seavers. Um, is that just, what, what's the cause of that? Because to me, it, it feels like they're in these really hard shoes. Maybe they're hitting a hard ground. Is that the only cause, or what's going on there? Um, yeah, I think, again, it's an, it's an overuse. So they're hitting the hard ground. They're running. They're jumping. They're landing, right? And I think a better, I, I'm going to steal this um, example from Julie Granger. She, she kind of pictures a sliced bagel with cream cheese in the center, mm-hmm. right? So as they're running and landing, the, 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 the bagel slices are sliding on that cream cheese, and that mm-hmm. cream cheese gets very swollen. And so if you're looking at someone who's growing, right, their feet are growing at that age, right? So that makes them not as um, coordinated. The other thing that's happening is things are lengthening. They're getting taller overnight. So you're going to have an imbalance, with uh, the back of the, the muscles on the back of the leg, the calf, mm-hmm. to the muscles on the front of the leg, mm-hmm. you're going to have an imbalance with the hamstrings and the quads. Right. And so there's no support down to that growth plate area. And it just keeps moving. So, you know, you're going to see sievers and they're going to be in hard shoes, but it, it doesn't necessarily, it's not just soccer players. You're going to see it you might see it in a gymnast. You might see it in a basketball player. Mm-hmm. It's, it's credit cutting, running, jumping, and that plate is not protected. So it just gets too much force to the plate. So I know a lot of um, podiatrists will put kids in the, um, the orthotics. What do you, the things that go in there and support their heels? And I think I know that you are, are not as much in support of those. Tell us about that. 
for Seavers? So, so, so for Seavers, a lot of times I'll put them in a boot, and I can't stand that either because it just you have to calm it down, but it's kind of a not fun thing to do to a kid, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what I really like, I mean, you do have to calm down the swelling, and if that's the only way to calm down the swelling, then you can do that. A lot of kids with Seavers have pronated feet, which means their feet are flat, mm-hmm. right? And if you look, they don't have that arch. That arch just kind of it looks like a banana slug on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times those kids, too, if you look at them, their knees kind of knock in as well. So all this force is going down the center of the – into the center of the foot versus – I'm sorry, I take that back. It's going to the inside between the feet versus in the center of the foot. Right. Okay. So what ends up happening there – is that they're not using the muscles on the outside of their body. Mm-hmm. And because of the positioning, it just doesn't allow those muscles to fire as fast as they can. Mm-hmm. So m- my take on, on orthotics are when you need them, you need them, right? But we've got to train the muscles so that you won't need them forever. Right. So a lot of people will put you in an orthotic and just say, there you go, bye. Right that's not the right way to go. So what you got to do is you put the orthotic there so that the pain is able to be changed and the, and the inflammation is able to be decreased. But what I find is you've got to train these kids to use those muscles. They need to learn how to use the muscles of the arch. They need to learn how to use the muscles of the glute, mm-hmm. the glute medius, the glute minimus. They need to be able to posteriorly shift their weight. So their weight needs to be able to shift back onto those heels so they can use their hamstrings and their quads, because if you put them in an orthotic, you are changing the forces, but you're only changing a very small bit of it. You're not changing everything else that's involved. So maybe you'll help deceivers, but you might be contributing to them getting an ACL tear. Yeah, that's very interesting. I remember Ashley when he had it, um, it was that toe walking. He was bouncing up on his toes, and that's because mm-hmm, right. the, uh, the Achilles are shortened, right? Exactly. Exactly. The Achilles are shortened. And so he might even have a high arch because he's just got such a tight foot. Right. So basically getting, you know, seeing the the podiatrist, maybe getting, you know, doing the anti-inflammatories and whatever needs to be done. But you're saying if it's not clearing up quickly, definitely need to get it, get some PT in there, some stretching and just kind of the right um, mechanism, body mechanics involved so that they can prevent it down the road. Right. And I think even if it does clear up quickly, even if you have now, you know, put it in an orthotic, you need to know that that is a symptom, right? The swelling is a symptom of something else. So maybe you figured out a way to decrease the swelling, but you haven't fixed the problem until you fix the mechanics. So regardless, if they feel better in a day, hallelujah, that is fantastic. Mm -hmm. But you really need to train those muscles, whether that be with a very well-versed personal trainer whether that be with a physical therapist, you know, whether the coach knows what to do, you know, it's not rocket science, but it is about getting those, those, that alignment back and teaching the kid to have that alignment when they're running, when they're cutting, when they're, you know, learning how to lift weights, when they're lifting their body so that it becomes ingrained in how they move. Okay. So, and then fixing all those mechanics and all that kind of stuff, but as far as their, their growth plate, um, ideally, closing back up, isn't that going to pretty much solve the problem? I mean, it can. And once the growth plate, when, when it's not swollen, it, you know, and the, but they're vulnerable from 8 to 13. So if they start feeling this at 10, mm-hmm. but, you know, it can end their whatever career 
by not playing for three seasons, right? So you don't want to wait till that heals Definitely. or till that closes. Right. Let's move on to beyond the growth plate stuff and talk about like tendonitis and um, so basically ligaments and tendons. Yeah. So the big one that I see is patellar tendonitis. I see, you know, again, I have two daughters, so I am in a world where I see a lot of girls. So the big one I see between like 11 and 16, 17 is patellar tendonitis. And again, that is an overuse. The girls have a tendency to be a little bit more knock-kneed. They might have flat feet. The, the stabilization, the core stabilization tends not to be there as well. Mm-hmm. So what they end up doing is they tend to be a little bit more quad dominant, which means that they use the front of their thighs a lot more than they use the back of their thighs. Mm-hmm. And, and although the thighs are strong, it creates a, a pull on that tendon that, that just never is able to heal. It never recovers, never regenerates. It just stays swollen. And is that, how is that different from Oshkut Slaughter's? So Oshkut Slaughter's is a, is a growth plate injury. Okay. But so it's at the, the, the tibial fibrosity, yeah. same area. Yeah. So the, the, um, the growth plate is at the tibial tuberosity, which is right where the, um, where that tibial tendon or patellar tendon will attach. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you get a little bit of both, but usually the tendon injury, um, you, you feel it right on the tendon and the, the growth plate injury, you feel it right on that bump and you'll see that bump grow. It's swollen. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, um, I don't see as many Oscar flutters, to be honest with you. I don't see a lot of them. I see a lot more of the, um, the patella tenon- tendonitis. Okay. And the patellofemoral, it's called patellofemoral dysfunction. So a lot of times the uh, rectus femoris or the quadricep muscles, you've got four of them. That's why they're called a quad. Mm-hmm. The medial muscle won't fire fast enough. Mm-hmm. And the lateral muscle or the outside muscle will fire faster. So you get this patella tracking problem where the patella, instead of going right through the groove that's supposed to go in, will go out to the side. Mm-hmm. And so you'll see a lot of um, a lot of pain created with that, as well as the tendon gets strained with that as well. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of swelling, um, inflammation, and pain post working out, post running, um, and it can get really bad. That's actually something that that took me out of soccer from my uh, junior year hmm. uh, in high school, and I couldn't play again until my sophomore year of, of college because the patella tendonitis was so bad and I just couldn't get in front of it to make it go away. Wow. So again, physical therapy and then probably what taping techniques and anti-inflammatories and stuff like that. Yeah. Anti-inflammatories are great. Realizing it's happening and trying not to push through it. Right. Um, I mean, that's a big one, but get ahead of it. Don't make it so bad. Don't just play this one game. Right. And I actually had a parent the other day ask me, he said, you know, how about we don't go to practice and we just play the games. And I really discourage that because the practice is the time where you can really work on the mechanics to change it. Mm-hmm. It's where you can slow it down and figure out what movements you need to train. Where the games, you're in that adrenaline mode. You're just trying to get that ball. You're not going to stop and go, oh, that hurt a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift my weight a little bit and see if I can get my hamstring to kick in. You're, you're in adrenaline mode. So I wouldn't save it for the games. I would really be training in a way to get those mechanics to work without creating that inflammatory process. 
Now that's only if they've got someone fabulous like you telling them exactly how, <laughs> how their mechanics are supposed to be working. Right. I mean, you're not right. I think what the parent, what the parents are basically saying is less re- repetitiveness and, you know, less frequency of, of the running and the whatever they're looking at it, obviously from more my point of view, which is more, which is less and giving it a rest. The, the problem I see with rest is that you don't change the problem. So if I put my hand on a fire, Mm-hmm. and I burn it and I take it off the fire and I let it rest. And I let it heal. If I put it back on that fire, it's going to happen again and again and again. So what I'm saying and what I see is people think, oh, well, just let the kid rest. Just let the kid rest. Just let it. So they miss two or three games. They miss three or four practices. Pretty soon by the end of the season, they have not played their game. They've gotten out of shape and they still don't know how it fixed. Right. So I think a lot of problems that I see that, you know, people just think rest and we'll be fine with a problem like that, an overuse injury that has created a biomechanical problem, it's not about rest. It's about changing the pattern. Or it's because because of a biomechanical problem, right? It hasn't... Absolutely. You, it's yeah, because... you just said it. So an injury can both cause a biomechanical problem because of the compensation. Absolutely. Or it obviously yes. can be caused from it. From yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've had a kid come in with a knee problem, right? And, or not to see me, but to see somebody else, right? They had a knee problem and then they fixed the, you know, if you could see my air quotes, they fixed the knee problem mm-hmm. and then they come in with an ankle problem on the same side <laughs> yeah. six months later, right. right? So you're just shifting the fault. You're shifting the stress and the strain. Right. So let's then shift a little bit with all of this in mind. And before we jump on to some of the other, you know, injuries, where then do we consider that, especially some of these very serious competitive athletes, um, where is it that possibly they are overdoing it or are they not? Where do you fall on that? So I think there's no blanket statement. You kind of have to watch your kid. Mm-hmm. And then, and that's, that's a big thing because the growth variability is huge and the tolerance is huge. There's some kids, like like I said this earlier, my kids are playing and it's crazy. It's, it's ridiculous. It's against everything that I've ever said before I had children in sports. <laughs> so now I have children in these sports and they're looking at me with these big blue eyes going, but mommy, I want to play. Uh-huh. And they feel great. There, there's nothing I'm seeing that's, you know, other than a little bit of soreness, but, you know, we try and work on that in the house. We try and, you know, Hey, you guys did this today. You need to roll it out or you need to stretch it out or you need to do this, you know, exercise. I work with my coaches so that they have a good warm up and it's a pretty solid foundation mm-hmm. exercise wise, warm up wise, and, and really looking at the girls where they're at so that we can control that. And, you know, that's not necessarily uncommon, but it's not super common. Um, there's a program out there called um, the PEP program, and it was designed by the Center um, the Santa Monica Sports Medicine, I think it is. And they have a warm up that they use, and it's shown to reduce ACL injuries by almost up to 80% in college students, oh college gosh. females. Wow. Right? So, I mean, if you've got a, a pretty savvy coach that can go online and look at that warm-up 15 minutes throughout the season and you make sure that those mechanics are right, you can be okay. Right. So back to the kids of what is too much, you need to watch your kid. Mm-hmm. If your kid is showing signs of overuse, yes, bring them back, rest them. But go get the body mechanics checked to make sure that they're not just putting their, their knee over the fire every time. Mm-hmm. Right? 
Um, and, and like I said, the growth is variable. If they woke up and they're three feet taller than they were yesterday, you probably want to not sit on them, but it might not be the best time to do six tournaments every weekend in the next six weeks. Right. Kind of, you know, kind of play it that way. And hopefully the coaches will understand. So if there's a lot of gray areas and a lot of things that parents have control over, if they can work with a pretty good coach. Mm -hmm. And what do you think about a lot of, again, what's going on more in these days is that kids are playing one sport. So what do you feel about that versus being more cross-trained? I think specialization is a really bad thing. I think that kids shouldn't specialize. And um, Julie Granger through Prison Wellness wrote this book, there's specialization in sports and you really, you shouldn't specialize before, before they hit puberty. And unfortunately it doesn't work like that in the real world. Right. 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 So you do your best you can as a parent, but what they're finding too is most kids who specialize actually either burn out before they get to high school or they're so injured that they, they lose their spot on the team. Right. right? So here we go. I'm just looking, there's an evidence-based recommendation for ages specialization of sport. So for the sport, you don't specialize in, in gymnastics, diving, or figure skating until early adolescence, Ugh. right? So We're seeing girls opposite. specializing at six. Oh, I know. Well, you're not going to get to the Olympics at, at age 16 if you aren't specialized by six, right? In, well, the in, problem like, is that they're looking at some of look, only in the U.S. <laughs> okay. So, so they're looking at some other stuff, and there's some really great information. I'll try and send it to you so you can look at it. But a lot of people don't specialize until a lot of other countries don't specialize until they're older. And when I say specialize, you know, maybe they're doing gymnastics, but they're also doing other things. Right. So evidence-based, most of the kids, they drop out because they're either burnt out or they're injured. Right. So they don't get to their end goal. Um, they're saying with uh, team sports, tennis, and golf, middle adolescent. I guess that would be soccer in there too. Um, and then endurance sports, so track, distance events, those types of things, um, late adolescence. Wow. Right? So we're doing it backwards. And what they're finding is the more specialization that we've, we've created, um, so there's a myth here, early single sports specialization is usually for is, is usually for goals such as college or professional sports stardom. And what they're finding is that's not the case. These kids are dropping out. They're getting injured. They're, they're just, and then, you know, if they do get injured by the time they're 13, they can't even go into another sport. Right. 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 Because who wants a 13 year old who's never played volleyball before? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's right. Kind of, it's so, and that's conundrum. horrible. Right. And it's, but it's a conundrum. Right. Like you say, that's not our world. That's not our world. So it's really hard. And so I think you need to look at your kids and, 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 you know, and pick your coaches that way, right? Really pick your coaches that way. We, there's a, there's a team in town that straight out says, if you join this team, you're not allowed to play basketball. You're not allowed to go skiing. You're not allowed to do this. And there's another team in town that says, okay, we play this amount of the year and the rest of the year, if you want to go play basketball or you want to go play like, so our team actually has a basketball team. So a bunch of the kids on the basketball team, uh, on the soccer team play basketball hmm. in the off season. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a bunch of kids on our team that, that ski in the off season. It's a short off season, but they do it. Right. So I think the thing is though, is you, at least where we are right now, what I've seen is you can't do two competitive sports at the same time. Right. So my girls are soccer, but they play rec basketball. They play rec volleyball. They ski, mm-hmm. um, you know, God forbid I actually got them to sit down and read or something. Maybe I don't know, but 
So, so we're trying to pay attention to that and trying to get different movements. Um, I think a huge danger in specialization when you've got unilateral sports, I see a big problem and I see these in the kids as well as I see these in adults, baseball, um, tennis, golf, softball, mm-hmm. that's a unilateral sport. When you've got these little kids who are starting to play baseball at the age of six, seven, eight, T-ball age, and then by the time they're, you know, middle school, early middle school, they're going year round and they're going to tournaments every weekend and they're, they're twisting the same way every time. Right. What I see in those kids is spinal deformities by the time that they're in their 20s. Oh, my gosh. And because they're growing and rotating and growing and rotating and they're rotating the same way. So I actually see the back. So let's say that they're a right-hand hitter. Um, the right side of their back is, is twice the size of the left side of their back yep. muscularly in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. And most of them have really bad arthritis. So most of my um, – adult baseball players who played in college by the time they're 40, they have a lot of degenerative high degenerative changes in their spine. So it's something to think about. Yeah. How, well, how, what's the, so what's the answer to that? How do you, I mean, you can't really fix a body mechanic. If you've got a bat a ball or pitch a ball, how on earth are you going to? So my, my thought is really looking at the balance in that. And, and honestly, I've done no formal research at all. So this is just my um, educated guess, mm-hmm. right? So my educated guess on that is, um, one, we just need to educate coaches that this is just dumb. Right. <laughs> you know, just give the kid a break, right? But two, for every 10, 10 hits they do to the right, do three or four to the left, even if you're not hitting a ball, mm-hmm. even if you're not hitting a ball. You really need in those sports, you really need to train the core. So we really need to focus not so much on going to the batting cages, but focus on in between doing core control, anti-rotation work, building up so that the left side muscle is is almost as strong as the right, if not as strong as you can get it there. Um, Really focusing on those anti-rotation exercises. So a lot of that uh, stabilization, kind of planking and moving the arms and legs and not letting the back move. But again, training the left side to rotate like the right side would. And maybe even so that doing, you're not over it. Doing the exact same thing. Like you said, even if you're not swinging a bat, but maybe pitching, you know, pitching right left-handed and just doing it out into the bushes if you're really bad at it, but right. just doing the equal and opposite motion as often as possible. Right. Right, right. Trying to balance it out because, you know, if you walked around and did 700 bicep curls on your right arm, you wouldn't be surprised that your right arm is bigger than your left. So if you're rotating, you're using the muscles of rotation on one side much more than you're using the rotational muscles on the other side. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just going to create, as these kids are growing, they're going to grow that way. Wow. Yeah. Right. And then if you're looking at it, um, you know, your spinal growth, is through 16, 17, yep. right? The big spinal growth is 13 to 18. So you're training these, these joints to be rotatory from six for 10 years before they even get close to finishing their growth, right? So then we look at that, like, how does that affect your core? How does that, you know, and there's this thing about the magic window, which is the best time to treat and prevent injury is like nine to 13. Hmm. 
So you're really looking at those mechanics back then. So that's when a lot of us think, oh, well, my kid is fine. They just need to rest and recover. But that's actually the time where we can get them into these preventative programs so that they don't end up setting themselves up for disaster when they're older. So, because it, as it's growing, we can train it. Right. Okay. So what do you, what do you suggest doing? Do we just, I mean, I would come to you, but what do you recommend the, the normal person do? Do they go to their PT, they get a referral from their doctor or are there programs that are group type? What, what are you suggesting that they do? I think all of the above. I think if you can go, you can go on the APTA website and which is APTA.org mm-hmm. and go to find a PT. Look it up. See who treats pediatrics in the area. Mm-hmm. See if they have a program or ask about a program. Um, I like Julie Granger's book right here um, called, this one is The Young Female Athlete. And then she has another book. It's Prism Wellness. She has another book that says they're not just little adults. Mm-hmm. So that's another really great book to start just, you know, making yourself aware of some of these things. There are some great programs out there um, at, you know, athletic trainers have some good programs out there to really keep your kids and, and interview them, ask them these questions. Do they, do they know what common overuse injuries are? Do they know what, what you see with kids? There's some great trainers out there. And so what I do a lot of times is I work with a great trainer in town. And so I get the kids out of the injury mode, start developing the balance. And then I say, you want to keep playing this sport? you got to go train with him mm-hmm. because he keeps them in balance. Right. You can get people that maybe come out and work with your team or at least, I mean, when, would you say at least training some of the parents and the coaches to know, you know, some of these mechanics and some of these exercises is at least a good start? Yes, I think that's a good start. But I do believe also, too, the dynamics between kid and parent is really difficult. Like, you know, even I who knows what's going on, if I tell my kid to do a certain thing, unless she's really in pain, she's going to be like, whatever, mom. Yeah. Right. So I need to take her to somebody else. Right. I need to have, some, you know, and that's just our dynamic. You know, they're fine if I'm if I'm rubbing the muscles or whatever. They're like, oh, great. You're awesome, mom. But if I say, hey, go do 10 squats and I want you to do it exactly like this. Right. They're going to be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so I think keeping that and then, and then also teaching the kid, right? I mean, we got to teach them. If you want to challenge yourself this much, you got to build it up. So for every time you're working out, you are breaking muscle tissue down and rebuilding it, right? So every time they go out on the field, they're breaking it down. The body says, oh, we're not strong enough to handle that. We now need to lay down more muscle tissue mm-hmm. and we're going to get stronger. Right. And we need to teach people that. I mean, I think a lot of people have this idea that their body is just going to keep going and keep going and keep going. And we don't have to we don't have to rehab it or not rehab it, but but support it in its growth. Rest and recovery. Rest and recovery. Exactly. So the same thing when we think about nutrition. Right. If we just think calories, we can eat whatever we want because we're just giving it calorie fuel versus nutrient fuel. Right. Same thing with a muscle. I can work out, work out, work out, but if I am never restoring that, right, like I said with with baseball or golf, right, I'm always batting to the right. Well, I better work to the left to balance that out. Well, if I'm playing soccer and I'm always using my lower body, how do I support that? I got to support that by using my core. I might have to support that by doing yoga. I might have to support that by, you know, what it is so that when I go to play my sport, I have what it takes to get through it and to tolerate it without breaking myself down. And I think that's something that, that parents don't think about, that coaches don't think about. We really need to look at the kid and train the kid so that when they are an adult, they don't beat themselves down by the time they're 40. Right. So taking soreness kind of as a cue and, you know, maybe you walk, you walk the next day or something to get that lactic acid out, but that soreness is 
your muscle, like you just said, if people realize that their muscles when they work hard are actually breaking down before they re- they rebuild. So you've got to give it that couple days to rebuild. Otherwise, you're going to end up you're going to end up with an injury. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we break it down every time. So every time it has to be rebuilt. Now, a normal soreness is good. That's not a freak out, right? Like normal soreness means, yes, I challenge it. I am going to be stronger tomorrow. That's awesome. But if I challenge it again before, or if I challenge it too much before, then I'm not, and then I'm going to continue to break down. So when you're seeing your kid, if they're sore after a tournament, that's normal you know, and that's fine. But if they're sore continually, like every Friday they come to you, I'm so sore, mom. I'm so sore. Well, then we need to back up. Okay. What, where are we going too far? Where are we crossing that boundary and not letting them, letting them recover? Absolutely. Let's go in and talk about nutrition. I think what you said is just perfect that, you know, we just think that they need calories and that those calories can come from the quickest and easiest thing, whether it's Gatorade or crackers or goldfish um, they're, they need the nutrients and very specific nutrients to prevent and heal injuries. So let's talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I, I'm with you. We need whole food. We don't need quick food. They do, they do need calories, but let's make those calories count. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, and I think a lot of kids, especially girls and, you know, middle school girls, they just don't eat enough. Right. And, and when they do eat, you know, they get starving and then they like binge on pizza or something. Mm-hmm. So we need to really be careful with that. Um, and the other thing we want to think down is that as we're breaking down muscle, we have to detox that out of our system, don't we? Mm-hmm. Right. So for every muscle that's broken down, our body has to go through a, a detox process. Um, and, and if we don't have the right nutrients and the right amino acids for our liver to work, we're never going to get rid of those toxins. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge part of making ourselves feel better, making ourselves stronger, making ourselves grow more. Right. Um, so, so let's talk about a few of the nutrients. One of my favorites, it'll probably be with yours as well, and it's a little harder to get, and there's a lot of different ways to get it, but it's gonna, it is definitely harder to get because it's not typical in our diet but replacing the collagen because that's so much a part of the, all the connective tissue in our body. We eat, we get plenty of protein that can repair our muscles, but we are not getting the proteins that are supporting and rebuilding our collagen tendons, ligaments, and cartilage. Yes. So how do we get collagen in our diet? Well, so you got, you got bone broth, right? Mm-hmm. That's the new buzzword. Everyone's doing their bone broth, right? And, right. you know, I don't know about you, but honestly, to, like, just drink plain beef bone broth is kind of nasty. Yeah. Um, so, you know, making your own bone broth or buying your bone broth and mixing it and making soups out of it. Finding soups, vegetable soups that your kids like, especially in the winter months, is awesome. The vegetable soups that your kids can like, that's a really easy thing to do, Um and, and a way to get it in them. You know, you can make an awesome tomato soup out of a chicken or turkey or beef bone broth. Right. You can make an awesome onion soup out of a bone broth. Right. So, I mean, I think that's one way you can do it is kind of hide it in soup. Mm-hmm. You can make your rice with it. You can make your rice with it. Quinoa. Yep. 
anything you need to cook with it. But so the other way, so I, I don't do a lot of beef bone broth anymore, like you said, because it's very strong. So we're doing a lot of yeah. chicken bone broth. So, you know, you either, and let's back up a little. The other way to get some of these nutrients is from the skin and cartilage of a, an animal, you know, of an animal carcass. And the simplest way is get a whole chicken and cook the whole chicken and don't be afraid of eating the skin. And if you're, you know, have a little bit of African blood in you, like I do, we gnaw on the end of it and eat that cartilage. <laughs> and, you know, then you save those bones. Ideally you save them and you make a bone broth with them. And then you use that bone broth for which, whatever your family, you know, can tolerate. I mean, my kids don't love to sip just straight bone broth, but the minute I put some rice noodles in it, the minute I put some chicken chunks in it, you know, maybe you make a little, um, we'll do like a taco bar where you get to have your cup of bone broth and you get to add whatever you want to it. And they love that. So, but the reason why we want to get those, the bone broth is because it's broken down the cartilage on the bones. It's also taken some of the skin and it's also taken the nutrients out of the bones. And those are all the nutrients that we need that we aren't typically getting in our diet that is going to prevent all these injuries we're talking about. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Do you, what is your thought on the collagen proteins, um, like Great Lakes? And I think Josh Axe has one and there's, they're out there now. What's your feeling on those? That was the next step that I was going to, you know, it, as much as you want to try to promote a, a whole foods diet, I mean, let's just get real. You know, it's not easy. It's a pain to make a bone broth that takes, you know, whether you have a pressure cooker or not, it takes hours and, you know, honestly, mine sits in the fridge and goes bad. So we do a lot of the, um, so Josh Axe has a, his brand is Ancient Nutrition, and he has several uh, flavors of bone broth protein powder, and I think they're fabulous. I mean, he's got ones that, he's got a turmeric one that you can do, you can add to curries, you can add to rice. Um, you can drink it as a cup of soup, but you know, then it's more like a curry soup. So that's not as right. appealing to a lot of people, but he's got, um, apple cinnamon. There's a banana cream. There's a vanilla, which my kids love. The only caveat to a couple of those, not all of them is that they do have a few, uh, things like xanthan gum and, um, guar gum in there that if you have a really sensitive mm -hmm. gut, gut, you want to be really careful of, but he does have some that, Yeah. He does have some that don't have any of that in there. So what I use is I use the unflavored gelatin by Great Lakes. Uh -huh. And I'll put that in just a regular smoothie, right? So my kids make their smoothie with their banana and their berries, and we put some spinach in. And then, and then when they're not looking, I put that in, and they don't even know it's there. Um, right. So that's one that I use, and I use for myself quite a bit. Um, also, we use the other one, the other unflavored one, and we make jello out of it. Absolutely. And I'll do that quite a bit. So I'll make those jello and the kids like that. I'll make that with a green tea. I'll use a tea or an herbal tea as a flavoring mm -hmm. or sometimes a little bit of lemonade as the flavoring for and it. They love that. Don't they just love it? It's, mm -hmm. it's they totally jello. love it. I mean, it's jello and it's mm -hmm. good for them. Right. And it doesn't have all the chemicals. Do you ever top it with the uh, coconut whipped cream? No. I, I'll, I'll whip up my own. I'll use the coconut milk in the can, you know, and you take the coconut they take the fat out and you whip that up and you can put a whipped cream on it. Oh, that sounds delicious. And they like that too. It's really good. <laughs> you yeah. know, you can put a few berries in there so you can make it like a, whatever those things are called. Like a fruit salad. Josh Axe also has the ancient nutritionals has, I mean, he has so many now he's got one that, or several of them that have multi-collagen protein. So he has ones mm. that have 
uh, the types, you know, you've got the, you've got like type one, two, three, four, five, six, and 10. I mean, there's oh, so awesome. many, yeah, there's so many collagen types now. And, um, so he's got those un- most of them are unflavored. I think he just has a whole bunch. So I'm going to, I'm going to post all these cause I use a lot of this. And, um, I think having a bone, a bone broth protein to augment an athlete's diet is like number one thing that you can do. I really, right. I really do. I mean, if that's your breakfast before a game or just breakfast anytime, because, you know, like I said, like we said, this, these are things we are not getting. You're not getting those proteins from muscle meat. And that is all we Americans eat is muscle meat. Right. Right. So, if we can, if we could get our kids to eat a little organ meat, which I have done and, um, I, I snuck it in. I did. I snuck it in and nice. the kids didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. We did, um, I think it was Sarah Ballantyne had a 50-50-50 burger, or then she had a something like that, like a meatloaf, so uh, organic chicken liver, and a little bit, you know, so you do a little bit of liver in with some bison and with some um, beef, uh-huh. and we did that, and then mixed all that, made it with spices for the meatloaf, and did, I think we did mushrooms in there as well to, you know, kind of soak it up, so you're not using breadcrumbs. Mm-hmm. So we had mushrooms and a little bit of, I think I had some carrots in there too. And then you make that and then we used a um, nitrate-free, uncured, you know, sugar-free bacon on the top. Oh, wow. And we baked it, baked it that way. Oh, my goodness. My kids were loving it and my husband's looking at me and he knew what was in it. And he's like, I can't believe you got that to work. I'm like, yep, wow. I did. Good job. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, all the organs yeah. have have all so many nutrients we're not getting and also that collagen is in a lot of those organ meats so if you can sneak right. in a little chicken liver a little bit of heart muscle meat is really mm-hmm. pretty, pretty easy and all these things right. you can get at the in the freezer section at whole foods yes but, yeah yeah so, or at the you know for us a co-op too yeah so I'll they put all it. those links in for the things you can buy, the bone broths that you could buy, um, kettle and fire bone broth I've been hearing a ton about. It's, um, it's in a, a carton that is shelf-stable, and it's delivered. Well, either you, buy wow. it, yeah, you either buy it at a store or it's delivered um, because it's not in a lot of stores yet. But it is shelf-stable, which is fabulous. So that's kettle and fire. Um, and There's another one that's frozen that I use all the time from Whole Foods. Oh, okay. I'm looking it up right now. Okay, well, we'll um, all those. And so, yeah, just getting some of that bone broth, and if it just means a, a shake in the morning, they'll never even know. They'll never even know that it's in there. So, do you think? Let's kind of. We need to kind of wrap it up. Do you think? Let's take. So we're talking growth plates. We're talking a little bit of overuse. We're talking specialization of sports and um, age-related. You know, bio and then biomechanical issues. Do you think? adding doing the right things with your diet can prevent a lot of those i think it it can only help you um i think it, it allows you to be more tolerant of more work right um you know there's not enough research to say that it can prevent that but we know that the stronger we are from the inside out the more we can tolerate mm-hmm. so i think that by having those nutrients in your body i think you're going to do way better because you're starting from a higher platform. Um, you know, am I saying that if your kid eats bone broth and they got super flat feet and they're running on cement during track that they're not going to get sievers? No. So I think there's too many, I think there's too many, you know, variables. Right. 
to say for sure, but you know, to be able to repair, you need those nutrients. And there's no doubt in my mind that if you are eating really crummy stuff, if you're going to the fast food and you're trying to get your kids to, you know, go to, you know, this game, that game and the game over there. And, you know, they're going to break it. They're going to break down. So what can you do in your life as crazy as it is to not break down? Right. And, and I think nutrients and sleeping and, you know, paying attention to the mechanics are all a huge piece of the puzzle to make sure that your kid gets through it and enjoys it and loves it and doesn't get hurt. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I will have a freebie at the end where we'll list all this stuff. We'll, I'll go a little bit more into detail about some more of these nutrients that are imperative and all the links. And this has been wonderful. And it's, you know, I think that so many parents have these kids crazy busy these days and, you know, we don't have time to cook and we don't have time for all this stuff. But if we don't, you know, your kid's not going to be in the high school, you know, athletics department. They're not going to be going to college. So we've got to start looking at these things and, and taking what you said, sleep and nutrition seriously. And, you know, if you need to find a PT to get your kid back on track, that's, you know, absolutely preventing further things down the road. You know, you don't have to wait till your kid is actually injured either. I mean, I think they start having a nagging pain here and there. Go find someone, find a trainer or a physical therapist that can prevent that from getting any worse because, you know, arched backs and like you say, all the different mechanics are just, they're just setting them them, them up for worse things down the road. So all these things are preventive. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're, they're wonderful. So Danielle, thank you so much for being here again. It's so much fun chatting with you. We're going to do it again very soon. Awesome. I love it. Thank you, Katanya. I love it. Love your expertise. Thanks for being here, and we will chat soon. Thanks for being here, you guys. Make sure to check out Danielle at Battleborn Health in Reno, Nevada, and go on over to katanyataylor.com forward slash toolkit for tons of awesome information that will help you decipher and dive deeper into everything we talked about in this podcast. Enjoy. Thanks for being here. 